Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your bill's big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. What is up, Delaware County, and welcome back for episode 27 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brennan Ricciardi. I'm recording here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It's been a long time since we've been on the air, but we will get to that in a little bit. More importantly, I would like to introduce the newest co-host to the podcast, Mr. Ben Thorpe. Ben, welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? I'm excited to be here, uh, recording from, I guess, my uh, apartment in Conchi now, but just excited to get going. Yeah, you know, it's it's been something where, like, I like doing this on my own, but everybody knows, like, the best shows have at least one other person just to kind of bounce things back and forth. Uh, real quick, you want to just tell the people, you know, a little bit about yourself and uh, what you bring to the table here? Yeah, uh, grew up, played in Springfield my entire life. Uh, went to Elizabethtown College, played D3 ball there. Uh, I was a pitcher and been playing in the Delco League for, this is my eighth year now. So just, you know, love Delco baseball. You're a vet in the Delco League now. How about that? Eight years is a lot, especially for, what are you, 26, 25? 25 is eight. I had, um, I was, when I was pitching against Ashton, I was warming up, and uh, you, you know Vince, right? Gasparo. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he came over, I was warming up the bullpen. I was like, oh, this is where like the 30, 30 and over guys warm up. I was like, dude, I'm 25. <laughs> so, oh, you've just been here so long, I assumed you were that old. Man, that's, that's a humbling one. I think, let's see, I joined the league full-time in 2020, played 2020, played 2021, was hurt all of last year. I'm going to count that as a year because I was still at basically every game. So this is year number four. Uh, but I really, real quick, want to talk about just the reason that the show hasn't really been happening lately. You know, I was doing it a little bit during the high school season, uh, but my club team for Penn State had a very deep playoff run. Actually, as deep as you can go, we won the national championship in Alton, Illinois. That was the first week of June that that happened. And it was something where you know, I like doing this show, but it can be a lot of work to be able to put together. And I knew that I would honestly rather put out nothing than put out something that I didn't think was like quality or, or something that was kind of half-hearted. So we kind of decided, just Ben and I, that the the articles were, were what we kind of had to focus on just to get the following we wanted. But I'll tell you what, man, I wouldn't trade that national championship run for anything. Bad, Ben. Did you see the thing with Florida State? Yeah, I saw the thing with Florida State. So anybody curious about that, uh, Florida State is kind of became one of our rivals just because we played them in the World Series each of the last two years. And they got <laughs> it's, it's one of the things where like club baseball, you know, they're they're kind of trying to make that move to make it be taken more seriously as a whole. And Florida State kids got caught drinking to the dugout. Neither of the kids were playing. I think it was uh, kids that were pitching, you know, a different day or whatever. And like, do I think that, you know, it's 
obviously, you know, some of a bit of overreaction to some of the sanctions they got. Yes, but also it's like they bought the beers in full uniform at the concession stand. Like, what do you expect to happen? Gotta be a, just like a little bit smarter than that. Like, just bring them in like a baseball bag or something. There's just so they were, weren't they drinking out of like a souvenir cup from the thing too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they weren't exactly uh, doing a good job at hiding it. But either way, we knocked them out. We took down the Cinderella team in the tournament, which is Wisconsin Whitewater. They were a team that was three and sixteen last year. They won their regional as the wild card. They beat six top twenty teams to get to us and I truly felt bad because I like those kids and if they you know if we weren't going to win I was pulling for them but you know once it once it came to the natty it was kind of just like sorry boys like you know no hard feelings at this point it just got to go win something there at that point that's tough though but that's kind of crazy like especially because they're like as a d3 they're they have a pretty solid d3 team so it's kind of crazy like the amount of quality players they have yeah, we were talking to them after the celebration because they put all eight teams in the same hotel, which, in my opinion, is stupid. Uh, it could have that could have gone bad with the way that Florida State bunch of, you know, uh, I think the nicest thing I can say is assholes. Honestly, like I swear that's the, that's the nicest way. I did not like that team. Knocking them out felt good, uh, but regardless, you know that run took up until early June, which you know took up a lot of my time, just travel preparation, games practices, whatever. Uh, but you know enough that we were still able to do the game recaps and more importantly we were able to make it to some playoff games this year so before we get into you know Ben and I were at Penn State for the Strathaven State Championship game the heartbreaking loss we'll get to that in a little bit we're going to start off just talking about we got the district tournament brackets here since Ben was in the area he got to see a lot more games than I did so Ben I believe your first game was Upper Darby taking on Council Rock South in that game and have you ever seen a better pitching performance at the high school level than what Chris Cepito did? No, nah, never, probably never will. That was, uh, I mean, you go 18 strikeouts, it, it's really tough to come even close to that. And, I, I mean, there was a point there where it was from the second through the sixth, he'd struck every out he had was a strikeout, he had location, just everything going. I, those guys didn't have a chance, and it, that was – you, I don't know. I never saw that when I was playing. I didn't see that in college. I don't think I've ever seen that with really anything. It was just domination. I don't think in a seven-inning game, I'm not sure I've ever seen more than maybe 13 or 14 strikeouts. But, you know, for a school like Upper Darby that I believe hadn't made the playoffs in, I think uh, their coach Tom Carey told me, 13 years and haven't won a playoff game. I, th- I think it was 2010. So I think 13 years and they hadn't won one since almost 2000, for a guy like him that had been, you know, I won't even say carrying this team because they had a lot of good talent, but a guy that had been at the top of this rotation for the whole year to be able to get the ball in his first playoff appearance, you know, he's going to NC State, so he's going to get his chance to pitch in plenty of big games, but to be able to go and literally in that game put the team on your back is something that, you know, people in that program will never forget, and if it hopefully jump starts them, you know, a little bit, that's something they'll remember. Yeah, that was definitely like looking back at a pretty. They were a pretty like senior heavy team, so that's that's really cool for like that entire class to get that like a home playoff game. There are a ton of people out there. That that had to be a really cool experience, especially after like how much that program's struggled in the past thirteen years. Yeah, and Zepito he talked about an interview uh, just about how you know like obviously he could have gone to Bonner, he could have gone to the Haverford School, he could have gone to Piscopal, like he could have gone to you know a better baseball program if he wanted to. 
but he wanted to play with his boys, build that program up from the bottom, and, and that definitely paid off, which was really cool. Unfortunately, their run came to an end. They lost to Avangrove in the second round. You know, it's it's a shame because I believe Chris Chung had a concussion and was like one day away from being able to pitch, uh, which is, you know, which is a shame. But Avangrove is a good team. They had a good run, uh, and, and it was a shame to see it come to an end. We'll, uh, we'll stay with 6A here. Unfortunately, not a great showing from Delco. A, in this bracket, you know, even before the games were played, but B, just in general, uh, we had Garner Valley lost to Downingtown East on the road. They were up, I think they were up 4 nothing, and they lost 6-4, so that's a tough pill to swallow. Ridley couldn't get much offense going against Souderton. Uh, Lower Marion got the win, though. Van Wilner pitched six shutout innings in relief. They went with kind of the opener approach against Neshaminy. So that was a good performance. I don't know if you've seen him pitch before. He's actually a very solid pitcher. He's going to Lehigh, and he pitches for Narberth in the Delco League. So maybe we'll see him at some point this summer. Yeah, yeah, he's got one more year there. He's got one more year there. Uh, Lower Marion fell in the second round to spring forward. So once this bracket got to the final eight teams in 6A, there were zero Delco teams left. So we'll pivot back to 5A here because this, this is where the action happened. This is where things got going, and you were at a lot of these games. So we'll start off here. So Harriton in the first round, they lost to Phoenixville. That was a 15-7 game. I think that there were, if I'm not mistaken, I think there were two grand slams in this game. There were at least two home runs that were at least, like, three or four runs. There wasn't there – didn't uh, Harriton have, like, an inside-the-park one or something? There was something like that where they had – I think I think Harriton had an inside-the-parker and a kid on Phoenixville hit one over the fence. But that Phoenixville offense, they scored 15 runs. But you know what happened when they ran into Alex Pock? They got shut out, which was just the start of his absolutely crazy run. So that put Strathaven in the semis. Uh, Marple Newtown, not exactly the – performance that I was expecting they played Oxford who was on their number two pitcher and they let up 16 runs that's a tough way to break in the uh the turf field that was I I was really that was the one that I think surprised me the most out of anything we covered was them losing that game to Oxford they like especially having like Oxford one is they were what the 12 seed yeah, Oxford Sorry. was a 12, and they beat Interborough, who was the 5 seed. But they only beat him 5-2, so in my head I'm thinking, you know, Marple's got a good shot here. Did not see, you know, the 16 runs coming. You know, if you told me they were going to lose, that's one thing, but... That was... Uh, Marple was kind of my dark horse to, like, win that district and go do... I mean, maybe not quite what Strathaven did, but, like, something around there. So that that was a really surprising one. Yeah. All right, we'll move back to the Strathaven side of the bracket because once we got down to the Final Four, it was just them and Delco. So you you were at the Strathaven-Phoenixville game, right? I think I was at all their games because um, I saw them play I saw them play Phoenixville, I saw them play Ruston, and then I was at the district final. I think that was that was all of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So they took yeah, down yeah. they took down Ruston eleven to five. That was kind of the first time where you saw like the offense that they'd show throughout the rest of the playoffs because you know this was a team that's that went 14 and 2 in the regular season in the central league and they scored double digit runs once they win games because of their pitching and their defense so scoring 11 runs even when rustin was kind of you know running out of arms for having to play monday and wednesday that bye week is big but they scored 11 runs they moved on to the district championship they took down upper dublin 7-4 you were at that game that was at villanova right 
Yeah, yeah, that was over in Nova. All right, what did you remember about that game? Because that was, I think I had a game at the same time and the same date, so I I got really nothing from that. Yeah, so that was um, so that was the one they started off like Upper Dublin's pitcher walked maybe the first like four dudes of the game and then just locked it in. But that was that was a lot of back and forth, and that was we kind of talked about that Strathaven offense. I think like in general, from what we saw in that entire run, it was almost just like death by a thousand paper cuts. Like it was like one little thing happened, another, another, and then bang, like a hit, and there's two runs in, and it just kind of kept going like that. But then that was kind of how that how the, that game went as well. It was just kind of a little bit of back and forth. And Strathaven got up. Upper Dublin came back, tied it up, and then Strathaven just put him away again. It, they, they did a really good job of, like, staying in the game and really just, like, keep pouring stuff on and never never kind of, like, letting the momentum get on the other team's side. Yeah, and this is the first time we actually saw any, like, human signs of life from Alex Pock because he let up, believe it or not, I believe he let up half of his total season runs in that game, which was three. He let up three of his six runs in that game. Uh, and, you know, as, as we'll get to, as we move on to the state tournament here, just absolutely locked it in after that. Uh, the first round of states, we'll talk about them first. So Strathaven, the first round of states, they took on Lower Dolphin. This was the first game I was able to make it to. I had just gotten back in time for that. That was the first state playoff win in the history of Strathaven baseball. It's been like 40 years since the program started. And as an alum myself, it was really cool to be able to be there you know, I was in the dugout taking pictures, like doing all that, just being around them. That game was at Newman and, you know, they, I think they scored, I don't have it right in front of me. They scored a lot of runs early, like enough that it was time to debate whether or not they should leave Pac in or if they should go get him and save him for Thursday. But they decided to just ride it out, take that 10 nothing win. And it was just cool. You know, it, it kind of was like that took the weight off their shoulders. Like once you win that first state playoff game, like you're kind of playing with house money at that point. Yeah, that was, I think that is kind of, you. that first one's almost the hardest one to get out of the way until, honestly, you get to probably the final. Like, it, it's, I think that is, it's tough to carry that momentum from the district to the state. I think it's tough to, like, we saw, I mean, we saw with, like, even Phoenixville going, it, it was kind of tough to carry the same momentum they had from winning their conference, which, again, we've talked about it, like, Central League should have their own playoff as well. But it, it's tough to, like, carry that from, uh, thing thing. So once you get that first one out of the way, and now you're like almost back into the same, especially when you've had a long run in the district, you're almost back into the same mode that you were in before that. Yeah, I mean, we could have an entire episode dedicated to why the Central League should have playoffs. And that's something <laughs> that like, I mean, I don't think that we could ever be the ones to make that happen, but we could definitely have some influence on that. Uh, but that's that's definitely another time and a place. Speaking of another time and a place, while I was at Strathaven and Lower Dolphin, you were at Bonner and Ruston, and you have to tell me what that was like seeing you, and you know what moment I'm talking about in that game. So take it away there. So that was, um, so for one, I was sitting up with like Ruston parents the entire time. So they went from very like cocky to like the other side really quickly. But um, yeah, that, I don't know. I, I don't think you can blame them for walking him like they did that's you know it was, he had already two barrels like crushed one of the wall had another one up the like another hit up the middle and, and what he had bases loaded at that point 
Yeah, so for those uh, for those unsure of what we're talking about, Kevin McGonigal came up for Bonner. They were down four to one in, I believe it was the sixth inning, and yeah, Rustin. It was the bottom of the sixth, and Rustin decided to intentionally walk McGonigal to score a run, make it four to two. But then Irv Fisher came up with a two run single to tie the game. Then Harry Carr had a two run single to take the lead. And you know there are a lot of people crushing Rustin coaching for you know that decision. I'm going to be honest, if I was Rustin, I probably would have done the same exact thing because the way you're thinking is the way he's been swinging the bat, he can clear the bases or, you know, he could put one, you know, into the seats to take the lead, right? So you're thinking best case scenario because there are two outs, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, there are two outs. So it's like, yeah, of course you're going to walk the first round draft pick and try and pitch to someone else. And honestly, like all the credit, go- I mean, a lot or yeah, all the credit goes to the guys behind him that just came up clutched it got it like got hits and got him the win like they said we're gonna try and let you guys beat us and they beat him so respect to that yeah i mean you know if ur fisher had gotten out in that at bat next thing you know we're saying russian's brilliant because they decided to take the one run against them instead of you know letting mcgonagall beat them so it's you know it's a double-edged sword because as you're going to see throughout this tournament other teams try to pitch to him and it didn't work so uh, I guess that's a good segue in. After Bonner won, they took on Bethel Park, two-time defending champion Bethel Park, I might add. Yeah. And, you know, they they won that game by a score of, I believe that was 3-1. to one. Great game. Uh, McGonigal hit a homer in the first inning, and I think he, went th- he had three hits in that game. So it was kind of like, you know, that was the complete other side. So everybody's saying like, oh, you know, don't be afraid. Just go after him. Like, trust your guys. Well, when you do, stuff like that happens too. Yeah, it's... I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough, like especially when you, especially in high school, when you have a guy who's like as just as good of a hitter as McGonagall is right now. It's you know, there's not very. I mean, we saw there there really weren't any pitchers that could get him. I guess we had, and we'll get to the semifinal, but they had Miguel Hugo struck him out. That was about it, though. It, you know, and not everyone, well, pretty much no one has one of, like someone like him. So it's just you know. Not really much you can do. Yeah, all it took was an Alabama commit to throw a ninety-one mile an hour fastball <laughs> in the inside corner, you know, to paint him to uh to get a strikeout on him. But yeah, I guess I guess we'll stick with Bonner on this side of the bracket and then flip back over. So Ben and I both got to go to Bonner taking on Shaler. That game was at Hershey High School. It was kind of cool how they did it where Hershey High School was the location for Bonner's game at 330. Meanwhile, over in I guess that was technically Fredericksburg. Was where Strathaven, yeah, it was Fredericksburg, yeah, Fredericksburg, where Strathaven and Greencastle Antrim played at six thirty. So we actually got to make both games. So you know, timeline wise, we'll start with Bonner. They played Shaler. Uh, Jackson Kehoe got the start. Now that was a bit interesting because all their pitchers were you know fully rested and ready to go, and they went with Kehoe, you know, who is primarily operated in the relief role. And, you know, that decision unfortunately backfired because that Shaler lineup hit three home runs off him the second inning. And after a really shut down first inning, that was just – it was a shock to everybody there. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the first time we saw Shaler's ability to, like, just pour on hits and, like, how – like, when one guy gets going for them, they all do. And granted, a couple of those home runs might be a little wind-aided, but – Honestly, like they still got a barrel to him, got him up and got him up in the air, and got him out. So that was that that was kind of a shocking because it was what back or home run, then like back to back. There were three in the second inning. It was that was a tough start. I think it was uh, Homer 
either hit or walk, homer, homer. Like two, it was three and four batters. And the thing that was the most impressive just from a baseball standpoint is I think at least two of them were on off-speed pitches. Like they weren't just getting fastballs and, you know, letting it do the work. Like they were taking sliders. They were driving like any mistakes. Like they were just all over them. So, yeah, and the funny thing was in that game, Miguel Hugas, the Alabama commit, was the pitcher in that game. And I think he maybe went like one for four at the plate, like nothing really special. And I was talking to the guy that runs the Shaler Twitter account, just, you know, friendly conversation. He saw we were taking video and pictures. So was he, whatever. So we were talking to him and I'm like, Hugas, like he's, you know, he's going to get drafted as a pitcher, right? He's like, no, no, he's going to get drafted. He's a switch hitting center fielder. And obviously we didn't know he's switch hitter because we'd only seen him face righties. Unfortunately, we'll get to more of his offense a little later in this bracket. Um, Shaler won this game nine to three. After that inning, you know, Bonner did threaten. They made it, uh, I think they got it within 6-3. to three. Austin Cannon hit probably the furthest home run of the day by anybody. That was a yeah, bomb. But the, the thing that was the most interesting, it could have been a turning point in this game, was there's a fly ball hit. I think it was Michael Coleman. There's a fly ball hit, or, or Ryan Friel. It was down the left field line, and the Shaler outfielder, there was such little room in between the foul line and the fence. And it looked from our angle like he touched it in fair territory. He fell over the fence, and the ball landed. The umps called it foul. They met again, and it was foul. You had a better view than I did. Did you think it was fair? I – no. Uh, so, I like, it – on first glance, and I took the video, and I was showing you the video of it. It looked like it. But I think going over, because that was a little bit later, I walked down and kind of looked down the line. There was more room than I think we originally thought, probably where he caught the ball. So, like, on the video and kind of from our angle, it looked very fair. Um, and I, I think it was still really close. But I, I think it was probably, like, a step foul, if that. It was definitely still a close call, but I think there was still, like, more room than we thought. Yeah, either way, you know, it could have had a little momentum, but regardless, you know, Shaler deserved to win that game. They played very well. Four home runs in any high school game is almost unheard of. I think Malvern Prep maybe hit like five in a game earlier this year, but like, you know, that's Malvern Prep. Like, obviously, they're going to do stuff like that. Like, you know, they deserve to win that game. They punched their ticket in the championship. We'll head back to Fredericksburg here. It was Alex Pock on the mound for Strathaven. They were taking on Greencastle Antrim. And man, once again, his second straight complete game shutout, 10 strikeouts. That was, you know, that was as good as it gets on the mound. Yeah, no, that I mean, that was another just incredible performance. I feel like we, we got lucky to see a lot of really impressive pitching from, all, like, a, a few different Delco teams, like, this year and especially in the playoffs. And that, I mean, that was another one where Greencastle Antrim just didn't look like they ever had a shot. No, that game was two, uh, that game was a 2 nothing final. And it still never felt like after they got, I think Sam Milligan had a single and I believe Will Thompson scored on a wild pitch. And once yeah. they got like that two nothing cushion felt like 10 nothing with the way he was pitching. And I felt like, I don't know about you, I felt like he was throwing harder as the game got on. Yeah, he definitely did. It looked like he was like just picking up steam as he was going. Just maybe like even just really getting into a rhythm and everything. But the, he never lost anything. He, he looked great the entire game. Now, and unfortunately, he knew that that was the end of his, his pitching career at Strathaven because he wasn't going to be able to throw Thursday. His season numbers were absurd. In the ERA, under .7, you know, six earned runs the whole year. The strikeouts were there. It's a shame that, from what I was told, he originally wanted to go to Johns Hopkins. 
He had a very good you know, SAT score, just wasn't enough to get in there, and now he's coming to Penn State. Now, selfishly, as a Penn State club baseball alum, I'm very excited by this. There's a chance that, you know, obviously at this point, Penn State hasn't even named a new head coach yet for their varsity team. I would love to see him get a shot on the varsity team. I, I hope he does. But, you know, playing club is obviously not a bad alternative. And also, there are times where guys have great club seasons and they get called up to the big squad. You know, we had two guys that if they kept the last regime, they were they were potentially going to get called up. So so I hope he gets the chance to play uh, once again on the field that we're about to talk about the state championship game at. But if not, you know, pitching in state college, it's good either way. It's cold, though. <laughs> I will say it's pretty cold. <laughs> it'll, it'll get a little chilly out there. And, yeah, that's – I mean, we saw him. He's a dude that, like, he's going to be able, if he continues with, like, pitching the way he has, he'll get out to any level. I think you, you think about – I mean – with all like the different training and everything now, like in uh, people's access to that, he adds like two or three miles an hour to his fastball. He's without a doubt a pit like should be on that Penn State roster. I know that <laughs> that's tough for you losing from club, but like I, I think that's a very realistic thing for him. Hey, listen, I'm rooting for him 100. Uh, the thing with oh, him gosh. is that he, you know, he throws four different pitches: fastball, two seamer, changeup, and curve. And he said when I talked to him post game that he didn't learn the changeup till halfway through the season. So he's been as good as you know he has been without throwing a changeup for basically all of his life, which is really impressive. And you know, it's funny that we'll move on to the state championship game here. That he also he went four for five in the state championship uh, at the plate as well. Yeah, he had an insane game. What do you have, like two triples? Two triples. Yeah, that's, I mean, just two-way player right there. It's impressive. All right, we'll talk about the state championship game here. This one breaks my heart, but Ben and I were there. Since I still had my Penn State house, we got to go up and see the game. Uh, so Stratham, they got off to a hot start. They were the away team in this game. Pock hit a triple in the first. Uh, we had a total of three runs. There was a sack fly from Malarkey. I think Jake McDonough. Had a single that knocked in a run, so that made it 3 nothing. Unfortunately, Shaler fired right back. Uh, they got three runs. Miguel Hugas hit an absolute bomb into the – so basically Penn State's field is modeled after the Pittsburgh Pirates, so it's like a very high fence in right field. He hit a bomb there, and you know that kind of gave that Shaler side a little bit of life after, that first, after the top of the first inning. Yeah, no, that was definitely – I think – I mean, we'll get to it later. I think there was twice where – Jath Haven threw a pretty big punch, and Miguel Hugas, you know, hit an absolute missile to just get him back in it. But that that definitely, like, those three runs, like, I don't think, I don't know, I, I feel like they probably weren't expecting that to happen, but and they definitely looked a little, like, shook when that happened, but they, they hit the home run, and they were right back in it. And just, I guess there was, how did they get, they got the other two on, like, the, pop up like kind of the blooper yeah well they got the, no well they got the one run on the blooper and then they got oh, the balk yeah. so i'll give you know i'll give shaler's coach credit that he was you know he knew that luke d'ancona sophomore pitcher like he obviously i wouldn't say he was like rattled but you know you can kind of you know use the lack of experience in those big games against him in a way so they had it was three two with two outs and a runner on third, and they were able to get him to balk to get that run in just by kind of messing with him, his timing and trying to, you know, fake like he was stealing home. And it worked to their advantage. So that game was tied at 3-3. The heartbreaking part of this one is Strathaven jumped out to an 8-3 lead. They started piling on. Pac had another triple. Uh, they had some big timely hits. They had two runs scored, an error 
which definitely was unlike the Shaler that we had seen so far. Kona, I'll give him a lot of credit because someone who's a sophomore, being able to rebound from three runs in the first to be able to give your team, I think he got taken out somewhere in like around the fifth inning, maybe, uh, to be able to bounce back like that in that environment, also knowing that you know thousands of people are watching on TV was very, very good composure. And that kid's going to be really good because he's a sophomore that has a state championship start under his belt, and he's throwing 86, man. He's going to hopefully be at like 90 by the time he's a senior. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, I guess you can. It's kind of tough to always like project that, but you'd think you'd think he would be. And yeah, that's he's gonna be one to watch for the next two years, and, and hopefully beyond that too. Yeah, kid who's on like the bit of a skinnier but tall side too. He's got you know a lot of room to fill out. Uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, well, fast forward in this game, it was eight to three. Zane Malarkey came in, and as you kind of alluded to earlier, Hugas hit that second home run. I remember the second it hit his bat, I was looking down because I was tweeting something. And you, I just hear you say, oh, my God, he did it again. And I look up, and he, and he unfortunately did it again. But, you know, both of, the t- both of the times he hit home runs were absolutely when they were needed because your, his team was down 8-3 to three in the bottom of the sixth. That solo homer sparked a rally because they put up five runs in that inning. And then all of a sudden, we're going to the top of the seventh. It's an 8-8 game. I think at this point, everyone on the Strathaven side was kind of just in shock. You know, they, it's not like they just rolled over after that, but, like, it was just, you know, you have to have that second of shock and then you have to regroup and be like, hey, it's nothing, nothing now, basically. Yeah, so seventh inning was scoreless. Sam Milligan came in to pitch for Strathaven. Uh, he hadn't really pitched, I don't think, at all in the playoffs. But hadn't really pitched much since the regular season. He's someone that, you know, he throws hard. He, I think he, they said he topped at 88, which is crazy. Uh, he's not even playing baseball in college. He's playing football at Bucknell. You know, he gave it everything he had. He actually struck out Hugas in that in that big spot. But, you know, once it came to the bottom of the eighth, uh, they had a hit. They had a – they got runners on first and second. Connor Hamrick singled up the middle. Not really a very close place play at home. You know, uh, they, they got the throw in. It, it wasn't – you know, once the ground ball was hit slow enough up, up the middle that I kind of realized there wasn't really going to be much of a play at home. But I will say, you know – First off, congrats to Shaler. That was the best team in the state. They absolutely deserve to win 100%. But with that being said, you know, the I'm I'm glad that they didn't lose on a fluke, if that makes sense. Like, I'm glad it wasn't an error. I'm glad it wasn't a bloop single. Like, they lost because a kid hit a base hit up the middle. You know, that's just like, you know, it's, it's one of those. It's the tip your cap, man. Like, they had several D1 players, several future D1 players. Strathaven did not have a single player committed to play college baseball. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean... I would imagine that they'll have some guys soon to like a couple of the couple of them, but yeah, it's definitely on paper. You, you looked at that Shaler team, and that was easily the best team in at least in the five A bracket. So it, you know, it's just a great game, and it, it sucks that they came out on the other on the wrong end of it. But it is really, like you said, you just got to tip your cap sometimes. It's just a really good team that woke up at the wrong time. Yeah, well, congrats yeah. to Strathaven oh, on a great season. You know, obviously, season. I'm a proud yeah, alum. It I'm sucks that they couldn't get it done, but you know, I couldn't be happier for for Philly. Just the fact that they they made it this far. You know, I know that's something he's wanted to do. He's been this coach for I think he said 21 years now, and and I know that means a lot to him to make it that far. Hopefully, they'll make it back. You know, never take anything for granted. Real quick, just to wrap up high school. You know, I don't really think we have to go too much in depth because they're not really Delco, but Malvern Prep won another state championship. They got some. Delco guys on the team. I'm happy team. for um, head coach Freddie Hilliard is also a Delco guy. He went to Upper Darby. Uh, I I would be 
you know, lying if I knew too much about that whole run and just everything because, like, you know, our territory in that bracket is the Haverford School and Episcopal. So once they get out, you know, it's it's something where, especially with the Strathaven and Bonner run still going on, that, you know, I just didn't pay as much attention. But, I mean, that's a baseball factory over there. Yeah, they just, I mean, they just produce talent every year. That's it's incredible, honestly. I don't know how many guys are playing professional baseball that are alums of Malvern Prep, but it, it, it's honestly probably double digits. Off the top of my head, Billy Corcoran, Chris Newell, Shane Muntz, uh, Jordan Disson, um, Lonnie White. Like, they got all these guys. Jimmy Kingsbury, like, you know, even Phil Gosselin, like, played for the Phillies. He was a Malvern Prep guy. I forgot he was a Malvern guy. He was a Malvern guy. Always a Malvern guy, I guess. But uh, congrats to them. I would love to talk to Freddie. A uh, little segue in here because Tag Davis, son of Philly's uh, color commentator Ben Davis, was invited to the All-American game, which I guess will be in, I think the All-Star game's in Seattle. So that'll be in Seattle some point during the week of the All-Star game. I think it goes All-American game, Futures game, you know, like the young like MLB prospects, uh, Home Run Derby, you know, the celebrity All-Star game, and then the All-Star game, whatever. So I uh, definitely love to talk to him. I know Kevin McGonigal was in that game at Dodger Stadium last year. So it's really cool, man. Back-to-back years, two guys from Delco in the All-American game. That's pretty special. Yeah, that's like, I mean, I feel like coming up, like we never really had guys like that. So it's cool to see like some of the talent starting to show up because, uh, you know, I mean, you and I have known there's great baseball players in Delco all the time. So it's cool to see like some guys, for one, like, be that good and just start to get that kind of recognition like nationally absolutely all right let's move over to college for a little bit uh we'll talk a little bit about the college world series in a sec we'll give some shout outs to some local guys so it was very cool to see penn playing in the ncaa tournament so they're one win away from a trip to knoxville for a super regional spot they won their first game against auburn they beat sanford after that then Southern Miss, it's kind of going back to that same thing we were talking about with Shaler. A good team woke up at the wrong time because Southern Miss, you know, I mean, Auburn top to bottom was obviously the best team that tournament they hosted. But once they got knocked out, like Southern Miss was the most talented team left. And what those tournaments really do is they just expose pitching depth. And, you know, a, a school like Penn, like, unfortunately, just the way it goes is like you, you kind of have to win all three games if you want to win the regional because you know it's hard for any team to beat a team twice right but teams like southern miss just are just a lot deeper than they are and at that point it's just like you're running out of gas like you once you go up 2-0 like you just you have to win that third game because you know that that fourth game it's a tough spot but you know that's a heck of a year for them oh yeah absolutely and that's it's tough like even it makes it even tougher because they're like an ivy too so the recruiting, you're even a little bit more handcuffed of recruiting in that point. But Southern Miss, you could even argue Southern Southern Miss was the best team in that regional. I, th- I think there were a lot of calls for them to host a regional from the get-go. So, And I think Auburn was one of the lower hosts, so you would think that Southern Miss would be one of the better two seeds. But um, it's tough. Like like you said, it's, you run in that fourth game, and it's just like I think Southern Miss was in one of those games was starting their Friday night guy who threw like 129 pitches like, so you're just in it at that point. It's really anything can happen, and usually depth wins, which in Southern Miss's case, they have it. For sure. Uh, Cole Palace, a, a uh, Garner Valley High School alum, was on that team. Uh, Reed Farrell, also a Garner Valley alum. Now, Reed was a freshman catcher. Very difficult to get time as a freshman catcher. I know his time will come. That wasn't this year. Cole Palace was a big part of that team. 
He was their second baseman, had some big hits. Uh, I th- I'm I think he's a senior. I think this was his last year. He could uh, have a COVID year left, but either way, uh, super happy for him. I played with him in 2019 and 2020 on the Colonials in the Delco League when I was there. Uh, so happy to see that from him. Uh, let's see. We'll move on to D2 here because we had Millersville. Millersville is a team that has proved themselves along with Westchester as just a Division II powerhouse. Uh, their coach, John Sheehan, has done an unbelievable job. He's someone that personally I would love to see Penn State give a shot to because he's turned that team into a powerhouse. Several MLB draft picks. He's got a couple rings. Uh, but beyond the point, uh, from Delco, actually surprisingly not as much Delco as you'd think. I believe Michael Costello is a Penn Crest alum. Same thing, he's a freshman arm. Like It's tough, especially on a natty team, you know, to get that time. But just to see, man, like the PSAC, all they do is send out good teams to the, the tournament. Yeah, I mean they've, they're just they're one of the better D two conferences I feel like, and that's they they just for baseball are unbelievable. And that was Millersville. I remember going up and like seeing them play, and they had like their top three starters were all six five dudes throwing low nineties. They all ended up getting drafted. Like just insane how they get guys like that it's, to the Penn State thing. I feel like Millersville's probably produced more professional players recently than Penn State has I don't know like I, I, w- I would need to see the numbers on that but like I feel like I've, I've followed both of those two teams like fairly closely and I feel like you, s- you see a little bit like more Millersville guys like they they just especially on the pitching side of things they just spit out dudes yeah unfortunately that's true because Chaz McCormick broke my heart in game five of the World Series which oh, I was actually yeah. there for I was actually in the stadium uh, for game five of the World Series when McCormick made that catch uh, so unfortunately, that one is is true true to an extent. There, uh, Tim Tim Meza is also in the majors for the Blue Jays. Uh, at least he was on the Blue Jays the last time I checked. But Millersville, uh, I know they won a game in the World Series. I I don't think they made it to the Final Four, but it's like it feels like every year it's either them or Westchester. So you know, once because the thing, you know, quick little tangent. The thing with us and covering college baseball is, uh, you know, in this area for what we do, high school is our priority. Like that's just reality. That's just yeah. what it is. If we're, you know, hopefully able to keep building our team up and make it to the point where we have a bunch of other guys, then that would be cool to be able to kind of branch out during the year and do stuff like college and give, you know, recognition to former Delco guys. The dream here is absolutely to have a Delco guy make it to Omaha because that would be a great excuse. You know, I plan on going out there at some point anyway, but that would be a great excuse to, to be able to go and do that sometime. Hey, maybe if McGonagall doesn't, you know, end up signing with an MLB team, goes to Auburn, you know, take Davis, Louisville. Like we got plenty of guys that play at very good schools that have chances. Uh, so you never know. But we'll talk about Omaha in a sec. Last thing we got here, Misericordia, local team making their way to the Division Three World Series. Did you did you see what makes Misericordia like unique? Like, did you see what their thing was? Hit by pitches. Yeah, I mean, that was we used to. Play, we played them a couple years or maybe one or two years at E-Town, and they just, they're, they're just, like, scrappy. They just get up on the plate, don't move. I feel like every single player in their lineup looks the same. They just do all the same stuff. They hit for contact. They're fast. They get hit by pitches. They pitch really well. They don't make errors. They're just a really solid, like, they just, they're a really solid team. Yeah, and uh, there's a kid on my my Wayne team in the Delco League, Drew Van Horn, who's going there next year. He was a uh, Garner Valley guy this year, and we were talking about that. He's like, "Yeah, like I'm uh, I'm gonna get a C flat. Like I'm ready to I'm ready to go. Like go be a Cougar. Like just get after it." 
Uh, Josh Lillis, uh, I actually faced him in Edco last week. Uh, dirty splitter. Absolutely filthy splitter. Uh, I know he's on Aston Valley in the Delco League as well, going to Misericordia. Uh, so it's cool, you know, to be able to follow those guys along. Because really the way my whole Delco baseball coverage started was writing about these guys that had played Delco High School that were playing in college. That was like the Delco to the show thing I did last yeah, spring. I and, you know, I mean, I, I like doing it. It's just like there was just so much time spent with the high school this year that yeah. it was just pretty difficult. But um, congrats to Miller – excuse me. Well, I guess Millersville too. Congrats to Misericordia as well on a great year. But, you know, I want to spend a little time here talking about this year's College World Series. And it's a shame the last two games were blowouts in the way they were because – Man, these those first like couple of games where like Wyatt Langford hit the oh, big homer, man. Oral Roberts had the crazy comeback, like they put on a show. Yeah, that was they I mean, that was the past the last two games were tough, but sometimes that can happen when you get to a final and everyone's just kinda dead. But yeah, that I think the tournament as a whole was awesome this year. That that was I mean, I think my favorite one was the um the Florida Oral Roberts game where their coach like, forgot how many mound visits they had. <laughs> they had to bring in, they brought in like a freshman just cold sitting on the bullpen and he got out of the jam he was in. Like that's just, I don't know, it's kind of the stuff you only see in like in the College World Series. It's just sick. Yeah, like people don't understand how much, like or how, how many things a head coach is thinking about during a game because this guy, his name's Kevin O'Sullivan. He went out the next day wearing a t-shirt that said, yes, I can count to six, which is awesome. Like, that's just like the perfect, like, yeah, like I messed up. Like, I'm going to own it. You know, this guy bailed me out. And, and listen, there's going to be times where, you know, in games, like your coach wins games. There's going to be time where your coach loses games, right? Players win, players lose, like all these different things. Uh, and that's the sign of a good culture that he was kind of able to just like laugh about it. And, and, you know, I'm sure if they lost, it wouldn't be quite as funny. But, you know, I think college baseball is in a really good spot because this – LSU and Florida National Championship was the most watched college baseball game of all time. And the fact that, you know, it's only getting better, I think I'm going to say part of that credit is, you know, that guy, Steven Shock? Yeah, there he's he kills it, man. He's like, I don't even, I don't know if that's like his main job, but he kills it. Yeah, I think, so he works for this company called D1 Baseball. Him, Mike Rooney, uh, a Delco Baseball Now alum. We had him back on in January uh, working for them and ESPN. And, you know, just I I think that people are starting to realize that the coverage of college baseball is starting to match the passion. So in order to get people to watch, you got to like, you know, find a way to draw them in. So guys like Steven that do a good job at promoting players, you know, guys that the casual, even like the non like just the random college baseball fans probably never heard of before. All of a sudden he's giving them the platform to show what they can do. And the next thing you know, people start to watch. And I think that. NIL, in a way, like that's a whole different conversation on how it's affecting college baseball. But I will say that NIL is starting to kind of make like individual stars in college baseball, which, you know, I'm sure the the classic boomers will say, oh, it's a team game, which, yes, obviously it is. But stars attract viewers. Tommy White, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, Wyatt Langford, like all these guys, Jack Caglione, like, you know, they're the reason you turn the TV on and then you learn about the rest of the team. And I think that's kind of what this World Series showed. I mean, th- like the top three draft picks in this year's draft were probably all in the field in that natty. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of sports in general. Like people come out to see the stars and especially I think with more coverage and everything, it, 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 you start to like learn these names and now you know them. We're not just like 
random dudes that like your favorite MLB team draft is like, oh, like he was really good in college. Uh, so like, what do you think? It's kind of a random question. What do you think it would take for college baseball to ever be? Sorry, I'm gonna start this again. I had some water <coughs> go down oh, the wrong God. pipe here. Yeah. Jesus, I, I sometimes forget it's just not live. <coughs> oh, all right, we're good. All right, so like random hypothetical here. What do you think it would take for college baseball to ever be kind of considered on the same level in terms of viewership, recognition, like all that as like football and basketball? Like, do you think it could ever get to that stage? Yeah, so I think like just coverage, I think the way it's going, like it works. There's clearly um, an audience for Major League Baseball. So you'd think that, you know, everyone that kind of loves that. A lot of people have a college that they root for, and be it football or basketball. So, you know, you start getting baseball more in front of them, and I think they're going to start following. I think part of it is, like, I honestly hate how ESPN does it because they have everything on ESPN+. Plus. So you have to almost, like, pay to watch it at this point. So I think, like, I don't know if it's ever going to happen that way, but you, you get more access to, like, watching games, get more, like, actually on TV or, like, just more ones that you can stream for free. I think that would help a lot. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's two things that I think, you know, football does well that I think baseball could kind of steal. One, a college game day. If you go down yeah. to, like, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, whatever, on ideally it would probably be a Friday night because that's when most series start. But, you know, Saturday morning could work as well and just show America how crazy these – like, these SEC people do treat baseball like football. They got tailgates for hours. Like you saw LSU had like 70,000 jello shots when they were down there for that that one bars challenge. Like to show the rest of the country how much, you know, how, how much people care down there. Uh, and also try and have something like, you know, like a Friday night baseball on ESPN. Like have something where you pick whatever the best matchup is, you know, of the power fives or whatever. And have that be like a primetime game. Put that on ESPN, you know, regular ESPN. You know, for this year, it could have been, like, Paul Skeens and, you know, whenever they faced, like, Tennessee and had, like, Chase Burns pitching or whoever it might have been and, like, promote the shit out of, like, you know, those two facing each other. Like, same thing. It's like, yeah, you got to say the stars. No one complains when you say Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are playing Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, right? Like, the stars get you to watch. It doesn't mean it's not a team game. But, you know, I guess uh, I guess we can move on a little bit from college baseball. I'd say, you know, for the sport itself, another great season. Uh, I think... You know, obviously the the idea of barstool sports is a bit polarizing, but the fact that they did a lot with that, like the hashtag grow the game a couple years ago where they sent all their guys down there and did a lot of content, like it was a little goofy, but like I genuinely think it got more people entertained. And although they don't really do that anymore, like that same grow the game, like they don't really have that same group of people there anymore. The fact that, you know, they're, they're trying to show, they're trying to get the younger crowd involved, I think is the big thing. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, we got a, just a couple, you know, last things we want to do because we don't want to spend too much time on it. The Delco League is obviously the league where Ben and I both play in. We spent one year together. Uh, unfortunately, it was a year where Ben was hurt, then the next year I was hurt. So it's been a while since we played either with or against each other at this point. Uh, but Ben and I's team played in the championship last year. Our team won in game five. It was a great series, very entertaining, a lot of twists and turns. Came down to, you know, I think it was uh, two runs in the bottom of the sixth by our Wayne team. Ended up winning. 
But, you know, both of our teams look great again. So tell me a little bit about this Upper Derby team. You know, who are some of your guys? Like, you guys, I believe, without the standings in front of me, I think you're maybe like 10-4 and four or something around there. Yeah, I think we're sitting in 9-4 and four right now. We're, we're a good team. We have a ton of guys. Like, I, I feel like we can almost field two teams with that. We was, uh, just lost uh, Josh Hankins. He, he moved out to uh, Washington, so that, that hurts. But uh, So we have, we have a few guys that are going to step up and do really well. And it's, I think it's kind of this, uh, really similar to the Upper Derby team you've seen the past two years. I've won and made it to the finals. I think it's very strong. I think we're going to have some pitching show up later in the year and really start to like get going with that. It's, I'm excited. It's another just really good team. I saw that uh, Gavin Lill, a starter for Pitt, had an appearance for you guys. I, I, you know, for the league's sake, I hope he's along uh, for the ride this season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked up by another college league. See him at on deck sometime. He's a guy that is recovering from Tommy John surgery. I should say has recovered because he's out pitching uh, right right now. But he looked great in some of the appearances that I saw. Um, but you know, that's the 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 thing with the Delco League is like. You know, you think your roster looks like one thing, and all of a sudden you hear, oh, like, this guy's back in the area. He gets his six, you know, uh, like, appearances, and next thing you know, he's starting in the playoffs. Like, that was kind of like, kind of reminds me of Tommy Kent last year for you guys. Like, I didn't really know much about him. Next thing I know, this guy's, you know, pinch running five games in a row and is starting game one, you know, the playoffs. But that's the thing with this league. You know, it's it's always changing, and I can echo with the Wayne guy. I mean, I'm telling you, like, when we get to the playoffs, like, there might be 30 dudes in that dugout. And it's something where, you know, as someone who wants to win, I love it. But also, like, you know, I know my role in this team. This team is so talented that I am a bench-to-the-bench bat. And you know what? Like, I'm cool with that because uh, drinking out of the trophy after you win is pretty fun. And just the fact that, you know, being a part of a team like Wayne with such a cool history where – I mean, winning 18 championships in 36 years is absurd. And last year, I, I was joking in the dugout, I consider myself a one-and-a-half-time Delco League champ because 2021, I earned it. I started for Upper Darby. I played every game of the finals. Like, I did pretty well. Uh, last year, I had a broken ankle. So it's not like I didn't play because I sucked. It's I because I couldn't walk, you know? So, like, that year, I was in the dugout for every game. You know, I consider myself, like, obviously a part of that team, but, like, there's a difference between being a bench player and being someone who was hurt. So like, I didn't play a single game. So like, I consider that like, yeah, I won, but like, did I really win that year? I count it. Yes and no. Hey, listen, I still, I mean, like I run the Twitter, I run the website, like I do a lot of stuff for the team, but uh, it's very cool. Like today was my first at bat in a Wayne uniform. And it's funny because we were playing the Narberth team. We were up by a lot. So I came in at the end and man, this ump just wanted to go home. I swear to God, this pitch was at my eyes. Like it's to the point where like I walked back to the dugout and like I wasn't even mad because like the entire team, I'll credit to the team, they all came up to me they're like, "Hey, don't worry about it." Like that's just you know, that's just like trying to move the game along. But I'm like, man, that sucks. Like that just sucks. <laughs> Dude, that's like you run into that a little bit, especially in games like that where guys are like, all right, like let's get out of here. But it's it's always annoying when like you're the guy in that situation, but. Also, like, having pitched in some of those, it's nice to get that one that's, like, half a foot outside. It's like, thank God, I just want to go home, man. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. It was kind of one of those, like, hey, welcome back to the league, kid. Like, you know, my last yeah. at-bat was in game five of the finals in 21. Like, that's how long it's been, you know, since yeah. I played. So, like, honestly, just being grateful that I'm back. Like, last summer sucked. Uh, so, it's cool to be back there. But uh, just talking about the league as a whole, I, in my opinion, and I hope this doesn't, you know, come back in my face, but I think that us – 
So Wayne, Upper Darby, and Drexel Hill, in my opinion, are kind of that top tier. Uh, Drexel Hill, I'm, I'm a little curious how their arms are because I know that is a stacked lineup. Dylan Can, Mark Quatrani, this guy Christian Rush has been really good when we played against them. You know, I could go on Dylan Pasenchik. Like, they got a lot of dudes in this lineup. I'm sure I'm missing, you know, a big chunk of them. But, you know, first off, very good uniforms. Second off, you know, Pat Toll, great pitcher. I, I'm curious about their depth because, you know, once you get to the playoffs, it's a five-game series. But in my opinion, just in terms of lineup and talent, I think that's the top three. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think you kind of have probably – you got those three. Um, and, uh, Chester has a very good team when their guys show up. That's always kind of a battle within itself there. But I would put them probably right below and then maybe like Aston, like teams like that. Yeah, I, I would say if we're making tiers, you know, Wayne Upper Darby and Drexel Hill is the one. Chester and Aston Valley can be that middle. And then what's yeah. it? Narberth, Marple Newtown. Man, Springfield, it's weird because Springfield does have a talented team. It's definitely not as good this year as it had. Like, they were one win away from the finals last year. Yeah. They just haven't put it together yet. Like, there's there's some guys on that team. Some guys I play uh, Edco with. Uh, also some Penn State Club baseball guys. I, I think they're going to turn around. If, if I had to bet my life, I'm pretty sure we're going back to the old format where six out of the eight teams make it. Uh, and I think that it'll probably end up being Marple and Narberth on the outside looking in, but yeah, the league's, you know, league's, league's going to be competitive. I just think that, that where we stand right now, and I'm going to pull up the standings real quick, might as well give the people uh, a look. So we are recording this. This is Wednesday night right now. Uh, I'm going to do my best to get it out as soon as I can, but you know, basically where we stand right now is that Wayne is at 11, one upper Darby's at nine and four. Drexel Hill at seven and two, Chester six and seven, Aston Valley five and seven, Marple's four and seven, Springfield's four and ten, and Narberth is one and nine. So the way that it, it looks like it's going to end, won a game. what's up? They won a game. Yeah, Narberth took down Marple Newtown. That was their first oh, win in the Delco League. Uh, it, it is pretty cool seeing them up here, just because I play in that Edco League where they won, and then they kind of moved up, almost like a British Premier League system. You know, we gotta gotta drop a team down down here. But could you imagine like we started doing that? That would be so cool, especially because some kids play on two different teams. You know, like if my Edco team wins this year, like we got a bunch of Delco League guys on that team, so we'd have to, you know, yeah. At the pick sides there. That yeah. Part. Yeah. But, you know, last thing I'll say about the Delco League is basically that, you know, for anybody who's listening that doesn't know much about it, it's a league that's been going on since 1908. And the only two seasons where there weren't a season, I believe, was World War One and the Great Depression. So this league has seen it all. It's seen America change at this point, And it's the oldest semi-professional baseball league in America. It's kind of cool when you think about it. Like, it is, yeah. You you don't really you don't really like realize how cool it is until you kind of talk to other people about the league, and they're like, dude, like that's pretty cool to be a part of because you never know if you're getting a kid who's about to get drafted in a year or two or forty nine year old Johnny Gonzalez, legend. It's cool. It's cool too to see like, I feel like there's like so many, especially like on Upper Dog. I feel like there's like a lot of guys who used to play or like knew uh, Dave Jordan, our coach, like knew him. And they come back and you just hear like all the stories about the league. Like it's it's cool. Like I could sit there and just like listen to like those kind of stories forever. Yeah, this league, uh, especially you know, you got guys like Johnny, you got guys like Lenny who are still playing every once in a while. Um, and guys, you know, our our owner for Wayne, Chuck Freeman, has been in the league since the nineties. So every year Wayne has a golf outing at the end of the year, and Chuck, you know, last year since I was still hurt, I rode around in the car with him. We were just talking for like hours just about 
his time at Wayne, like how the league has changed, like what it used to be like. And, you know, that's a guy who's won 17 championships, you know, so it's it's pretty cool to be able to hear from him. But, you know, this podcast is definitely going to be very Delco League heavy going forward at this point during the summer, you know. I'll talk a little bit about Edco. Honestly, the Edco regular season, to be quite honest, is a bit of a joke. But once you get to the playoffs, you know, everybody has all their guys for the appearances. The league starts to get decent. You know, we got some good pitching. Uh, Other teams have some solid guys. Like, you're seeing guys throwing mid to upper 80s once you get to the playoffs, and everyone has their guys. So it's impressive. But uh, we're going to start doing more interviews. I want to try and bring back the player of the week here for the Delco League. Uh, So we'll leave you with that. Last thing, you know, you can't talk about Delco baseball without the Fightins. So we definitely want to quick, quickly just you know talk a little bit about the Phillies to wrap it up. So how are you feeling about them at this point in the year? We're getting close. I don't think mathematically we're at the halfway point. I, we're getting close though. How do you feel? How do you feel about them? I, I, I have no idea. I like. It's one of those things where it's like I'm just like I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, and then they just like look terrible, and then like they kind of it's one it's just like a way up and down season with them so far i think i think they're gonna figure it out i think i think really all it takes is i mean even like last year they all really takes is like a win streak you know because they're hovering around 500 six teams get in you get a win streak you're back in we know what happened last year it's after seeing that it's hard to ever be out on them again really at least with this roster but i think like if some of the guys like figured out and just kind of as I think they will, and they're one of the best teams in the NL. Like it's, I think they have a good shot. You know, it'll be fun to see like how things play out. Yeah, if I had to bet my life, I think things would go similar in a way where you know I think the sixth seed is the place to be. To be honest, because the yeah. you know if you're the five seed, you got to play the best wild card team, who's usually better than at least one division winner. Like at this point right now, if the Phillies get the sixth seed, like. They're probably playing like the Reds or like the Cubs, the Brewers, like a team that kind of like the Cardinals last year where like they're better than them. Like they can be absolutely better than them. And I think the most important person that needs to go back to form for them to have a deep run is Aaron Nola just because, you know, like at this point, if I'm Rob Thompson, you go into a series, Zach Wheeler starts game one, you got to start Ranger game two, right? You can almost argue starting Ranger game one the way you start like Dude, I mean, honestly, you could, like, in a three-game series, there's an argument for the way they're throwing right now to have Wheeler, Ranger, and, like, Taiwan Walker. If they, if they keep their form, that's, that's, that's a very, like, short scope. Obviously, you're definitely going to throw Nola, but, like, just looking at the numbers, you could think that. But, yeah, he's got a – I don't know what – like, I was telling you earlier, I feel like he's just been down on his velo the whole time. Like, maybe just a little bit of time off might help him just – I'm sure it's something he'll never admit because guys never admit this. You think the pitch clock's kind of getting to him a little bit? Probably, yeah. I mean, that was a thing with, like, they were saying that when the the Phillies would be a team, like, affected by it from the start because they all work very slow. And Nola is a little bit more deliberate than other guys. Um, So that probably hurts him a little bit, but I don't know. I I think, like, the fact that he hasn't settled in by now. I mean, how many starts has he made at this point? The fact that he hasn't really settled in yet might point to something deeper or it's just an off year and you know everyone has those yeah yeah I mean he could start to be feeling the pressure of free agency you know he knows that he's pitching for I mean bluntly he's pitching for his future right like he's pitching for his future contract he's pitching for his future team you know like whatever it may be and you know the fact that the Phillies sit at 41 and 37 when 
Bryce Harper has three home runs and missed a month. Trey Turner has been very, you know, subpar for what we've expected from Trey Turner's career. Reese Hoskins tore his ACL. Like, I I mean, everybody wants him to trade for Paul Goldschmidt. I think if you're going to trade for anybody, it should be for more pitching. But, I I mean, I think if you can get Paul Goldschmidt without giving up Abel or Painter, which you probably can, then I think that, you know, you kind of have to punt, like – I don't put it like this. I don't think they should go all in to win the World Series this year. But I think if there's a smart trade, get someone like like Dylan Sees, like a good starter that you can add, yeah. you know, or a solid bat. Like I don't think, I don't think one star is going to fix this. Is my point, I guess. No, that's I. I don't like. I don't know what the asking price for Goldschmidt would be either. It's just, I feel like it could be one of those things where it's just way too much or like the Cardinals are maybe hanging on to this core for longer because I mean I I don't know what happened to the Cardinals this year but they shouldn't be as bad as they are so there could be something there where it's like all right like unless we get a crazy offer I don't know I want to make a crazy offer and like we already have a pretty thin farm system as is I don't know if you want to blow that up more yeah no I think that they have to be smart you know, and I think Dave Dombrowski has been smart. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Dave Dombrowski supporter. I mean, Christ, he got the Phillies to the world series very quickly in his time here. So, uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's hard to complain too much about it, but you know, I, I, I do like the chances. Like, I think if I had to, you know, gun to my head, like what happens this season, I think they make the playoffs. I think they win the wild card round. And unfortunately they probably lose to the Braves or Dodgers. Like this Braves team, now that they have, you know, Spencer Strider's healthy, like, he obviously wasn't last year when we faced him. Like I love the Hoskins homer, but like he was throwing ninety three at that point. And you know, I think we just we just got hot at the right time. But I think the expectation that they're just gonna go in and and do what they did last year is a little crazy. But I, I think I'm somewhere right in the middle of the super optimist and super pessimist. I think they're a solid team. I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they're gonna win the World Series, and I think that's reasonable. Yeah, that's I kind of bounce back from like optimistic to pessimistic from basically day-to-day but um you mentioned the Braves and like how good they look I feel like with baseball though like that's always the team that chokes it like and Atlanta is known for choking championships away so to to finish that they're known for choking when they're supposed to win because when they won the World Series they had what 87 wins right yeah yeah they're those are crazy so that's yeah they're gonna be someone who's they're probably gonna be I'd imagine the favorite going in, like going into the postseason. It, it's set up for them to choke. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the Phillies have had a tough schedule, hard schedule, and a lot of road games. They have nineteen home games in August, and that's where I think they can really get hot. They play a bunch of bad teams in that. They play the Royals, they play the Cardinals in that, they play the Marlins, the Nationals. Like that's where I think I'm looking at now. They got a ten game homestand. They have four home games against the Nationals in a row. Oh man, I'm going to Italian Heritage Night on August seventh. See if we can find any more Ricciardi's in there. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think the last thing I'll just leave with the Phillies is I think the people that are jumping off ship already are crazy, and I think the people that you know just assume it's going to be you know sunshines and rainbows and they're going to waltz in the playoffs are also crazy. We're about halfway through the season, and it's you know it's almost at they're at the starting point. Like they're very much in it. I think. Uh, let me pull up the standings here real, real quick. I don't think, I don't think they're in a, pl- a playoff spot at this exact moment, but I think they're very close if they're not. Because the the surprise of the season so far has been that the Marlins are playing very well, uh, and, and that's something yeah. that I don't really think many people saw coming, especially after last year. And 
the fact that they didn't really do that much to improve their team as a whole. But the addition of three wildcard spots, first off, I love it because I think wildcard weekend has a chance to be something that, you know, starts to bring some traditions, right? Like you got that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is perfect. Oh, yeah, that's going to be. I think that's as that as they keep going with that. That's going to like turn into like the, the super wild card weekend for football where it's like, you know, everybody's locked in to that. All right, so as of right now, the Phils are two and a half games out of the wild card. They got the Giants, Dodgers, and Marlins ahead of them. That's, you know, obviously very reasonable at this point in the year. They have, are 42 and 37. They just beat the Cubs 8-5. Uh, to five. They are sitting – so this is 79 games. So they're basically at the halfway point. Uh, all right, official prediction. How far do they go? Uh – I got them going out in the wild card game. Yeah, I'll say they win the wild card uh, round against the NL Central team. They lose to like the Braves or Dodgers or something. Yeah, no, I like that. That's I think I think you could call that either because especially if they go into the I think if they get the like four or five they lose. If they get the six, they win. Yeah, which is something that I hope MLB might address. Where it's like if you're you know one of the four teams in the wild card round, like the team with the best record plays the worst team. That's, I think, what it should be. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they go more to, um, so like, I guess the NHL kind of does that. It would like, I feel like some of the other leagues they do where it's more of just record-based. So, like, the top six records get in, or at least with, like, the last four, they, you know, division winner, like, the three division winners get in, but then with the last four, it's record-based. Yeah. Yeah, well... Long season to go. Uh, We'll be with you every step of the way. Uh, I think that'll be it for this episode. Very productive first episode. Ben, thank you for joining this first show here. Yeah, how'd you like it? It was cool. That was. I've never done a podcast before, so this was this was a new experience, but I had a lot of fun. I don't think any of our uh, our viewers would have thought that uh, for this, but you know, this is going to be the regular setup going forward. you know, never know if we would add a third, but I, I like having the, the two people and we'll definitely start doing more interviews with Delco League guys throughout the year. Potentially some Little League stuff. The district tournaments are starting soon. I've heard that the media team is very good and the Aston Middletown team, if they do what they did last year, then they would go to Williamsport because they won everything they could win last year. So if they do that again, we could have our first Delco team in Williamsport in a long time. I, I'm pretty sure I heard someone say like Ben Davis's team was in Williamsport and he's got to be like in his forties or fifties now. So yeah, I was about to say, have we ever like, it's been not in our lifetime, not a shot. I think uh, media, yeah, media lost, media lost in the state championship. When like guys like Kevin Mahalan were on the team, I was probably uh, like, like eight or nine, maybe. I remember hearing about that. I know like a couple years back, Ridley went really far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I don't think we really had much. All right, well, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, we don't have a set schedule yet. We're kind of still working on it. We're also working on just kind of turning this whole Delco baseball thing into a, more of like, you know, like a business. Like it's kind of just been a passion for a little bit, but we know what we can do. Uh, pretty much the main thing that we want to do is be able to support ourselves. Like obviously the ultimate dream is for us to have this be our only jobs, but we know that's going to take a little bit to, to get to that point. Uh, but we appreciate everybody tuning in and we will see you all next time.